Simplicity 101, right? So simple. That's my, that's what I like, simplicity in my worship. I don't, me personally, I'm not right and I'm not wrong. I just don't like songs with a lot of words. I just like simplicity, words of adoration to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. My preference, mine. That doesn't mean I'm right. That's my preference, me. You have your preference that doesn't make you right, doesn't make you wrong. I got my preference. But we got the same goal, and that's Jesus. Some say revival, some say kingdom of God. Somebody called me the other day, said there's, a, there's something going on on Facebook where a guy says you can't say the word revival. Revival, revival, times a hundred. Revival. I say manifestation of the kingdom. What's the difference? None. Pastor Bronk's name is Bronk Dennis Flint. What do I call him? Big dog. What's the difference? Nothing. Same thing. Some say restoration, it's restoration. Revival. Like here's to my friends is it's all verbiage. Same thing, man. Same thing. Amen. Before I get started, I got a very, very special friend of mine here tonight. Uh, Bill Bethay, my old. Bill Bethay, just stand and say hi to everybody. That, He's one of the most respected men that I know in Immokalee. He's, he's, a, he's a deacon and elder at the First Baptist Church. He's one of my little league coaches. I've known him for years. We've developed into a great relationship these last couple of years. He's very well respected by me. We have great talks about God, great talks about the Lord. He is my brother. I respect him a lot. He's one of the meekest men that I know. Uh, become to be real we've always been close but we're real good friends real good friends and and he's an awesome awesome man and he's here tonight and he's like I said he's a deacon at the the big old church down the road the deacon he's been there forever <laughs> how many years have you been there Mr. Bill that's a long time yeah <laughs> long time yeah I know I know who you are that's why I said that's a long time. 30, 40 years maybe? I wasn't good in math. How many years is that? 46? Huh? About four, yeah. 40 something. <laughs> and he's, uh, I love him a lot. Um, we, we have one mindset, and that's Jesus. We see a lot of things almost identical. We don't let what we see different affect our relationship. We never even bring it up. Never. And I won't. I love him too much. And he loves me too much. He is my brother. He is part of the beloved. And I respect him dearly. Dearly do I respect him. And I'm glad he's here. Love you, Mr. Bill. You're a good man. Hallelujah. Is that Scarlet? 
before we go on, I like to, uh, I want to name this teaching. I want to name this teaching, but B-U-T, Maya's Candle. But B-U-T, Maya's Candle. Maya, of course, is Nathaniel's girlfriend. She's uh, gotten real close to our family. We're close to her mom, and her mom can cook some good Puerto Rican rice, man. Oh, my God. You know how we say it in the Magali, that rice is so good, makes you want to slap your mama. It's just some good rice. Oh, my God. Man, she can cook some rice. And we've gotten real close to her. Maya, she's real dear to us, as is all of our David's girlfriend, Jayla, real close to her. And Maya's been a David's girlfriend for four or five months. Um, they're real close. They're inseparable. And we, we love her so much. She's, she's crazy. <laughs> she blends right on in. You know why? Because when she eats, she likes to burp at the table. I think that's so cool. Um, when we first met her, this isn't about Maya, it's just something that she bought us. When I first met her, I said, I don't know how to, she's from the Bronx, New York. So I was scared of her. I was scared she's going to beat me up. So when I, yeah, she's from the Bronx, from New York, and she'll tell you she's from the Bronx. She came to our house, and I said, I don't know how to act. And she's half black and half Puerto Rican. I said, oh, boy. <laughs> so she came to the house one day. I said, I don't know how to act. But I just thought, I'm a comical guy. I, have, I don't like to be reserved. I don't like acting reserved around people. I like being Homer. And she comes to the house, and she sat at the table. The first question that I asked her was, hi, Maya, blah, 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 this and that. I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. I said, do you like ribs and soul food? She said, sir, I'm black. I said, we're going to get along just fine. She said, I'm black. She's like Sarah. The first time I met Sarah at our house, she was with Harry. The first thing Sarah told me when she met me was, what do you think it was? We were going to Fort Myers. What do you think she, she told me when, when she met me? I hope you're not driving. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going to like her. She didn't even know me. Are you driving? I hope you're not driving. <laughs> and then she laughed. I said, oh, boy, that's got to be the Mexican in her, let me tell you. But y'all want to name this teaching but Maya's Candle. And we'll go into why it's named but Maya's Candle in a little bit. But first I want to, you can just go to Isaiah 53, probably verse 4 through 7. Just going to exhort a little bit and observe. Because I believe the church, the modern-day church, has so not... taught the true gospel of God. I believe we have not taught, we corporately have not taught the holiness and true righteousness that a Christian should live in. I believe that with all of my heart, hearing what I hear at times, I heard a preacher the other day say the church is too much worried about the church instead of worrying about the kingdom of God. We've allowed the outside in the church. We've allowed what the Supreme Court says. We've adopted that as truth in the, in, in, in the church. No. We've allowed what state and local governments vote in as true as legislation, as the way of the Christian life. No, my friends. No. I'm talking to both sides, man. Both sides. And I say to myself, people have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, and Jesus came to redeem us. 
to save us out of our sin. Jesus taught in Matthew 4, repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what repent means. I turn away from my sin. That's what repent means. Repent doesn't mean you go into Christianity and you stay the same. If that's the truth, you're not, Christ, you're, you're not a Christian. Because First John chapter 3 says, He that is born of God sinneth not, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. And this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness or loveth not his brother is not of God. There's got to be, I just, I, I, I heard you. There's got to be a change in our life. When we cry out to Jesus, there is a change. If there is no change, there has been no conversion. He said, by this we know that we are born of God. We do not sin habitually. We do not sin habitually. That validates, that alone validates our conversion into Christianity. Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians chapter 1. That validates our walk with Christ. That validates that we are in fellowship with the Lamb of God. He came to take away our sin. Plain and simple. That is Christianity. For God so loved, loved, loved the world. He sent us to redeem us of our sin. Jesus is not in heaven delighting to send people to hell. No, my friend. That is far from the truth. He's not in heaven in his glorious throne looking down and saying, you're going to hell because of what you do. God said, I'm going to send you a lifeline. I'm going to send you perfection. And he will redeem you. His whole life, he knew he had one purpose. That was to ransom the world of their sin. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. His whole life, he knew he was going to be the sacrificial lamb of God. He knew that he had to be unblemished, and he did it in humanity. But all God, all man, never once failed, never once sinned to redeem a fallen society. That's us, Genesis 3, fallen generation. Not a fallen generation, just fallen mankind. Just the curse was on. He came to redeem us. Saying that, I'll say this. Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 7. It says, surely, surely, he has borne our griefs. That word griefs is in, in the Hebrew is calamity, sickness, and disease. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word sorrow is the word pain. Surely I'm explaining to you why Jesus came. We're going fishing today. Not here per se, but I think you know what I mean. We say we're going fishing out there right now. Isaiah prophesied thousands of years ago. Surely he has borne our griefs. Jesus Born our greasy, born our calamity, our sickness, and our disease. This was again repeated in Matthew chapter 8. What's quoted now was quoted in Matthew chapter 8 as part of the atonement. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet, 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 
public opinion at that time. So yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. The Jews thought that he was judged of God because of they said you cast out. That was by Beelzebub. You are a blasphemer. You deserve what you're getting from God. But no, my friends, contrary to public opinion, that was not why he suffered. He said, yet we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. Here comes the biggest but in the world, the biggest contrast ever. But, but he didn't, he wasn't judged and the wrath of God didn't come upon him because he did wrong. On the contrary, Isaiah says, but he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The word bruised means that he was broken into pieces, man. It means he was crushed. Crushed. He didn't suffer the wrath of God and he wasn't in judgment because he did wrong. On the contrary, he was wounded for our sins. He bore the price for what we did wrong. He was bruised for our iniquities. Said so the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And, and we all know the next one. And by his stripes, we are healed. The NASB, the New America Center says this. And by his scourging, <laughs> we are healed. By his scourging, he was scourged and he was battered and bruised and torn to pieces and mocked for perfection. Isaiah 52 says prior that his visage was marred more than any man, more than the sons of man. You couldn't tell what he looked like, man. He was so disfigured. The Greek says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that he was a mole. He looked like a big black mole. He was so disfigured is what the Greek says. And we think and the world thinks that Jesus is in heaven rejoicing that people are going to hell. Yet he paid this price so people wouldn't go to hell. We believed that he was the Savior. So, but he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed, or by his scourging we are healed. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone to his own way. Listen to this. But the Lord, God, has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of the sins of us all. But the Lord has laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. God laid the punishment that we deserved on perfection. Does that sound like a Savior that rejoices that people will be judged forever? He did this so that we wouldn't be judged at the end. So that we would not be condemned to the lake of fire. He said, but he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed by God. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Listen to this next part. As a lamb is brought to the slaughter. You know what that word slaughter is in the Hebrew? Butchered. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Or he was brought as a lamb to a butchery. And like a sheep before its shears is dumb, so he openeth not 
his mouth. He made himself a sin offering for every person on the face of this world. As long as we acknowledge that he was the son of God and that he was the savior and that he died and that he rose again. Why wouldn't we want to serve Jesus? The horrendous price that he paid for us when we were sinners. Does that sound like a God that's rejoicing that people will spend the rest of their life in a lake of fire? No. He was judged and beaten to that extent so we wouldn't be judged in that manner when, when, when the day comes. That's love, my friends. That is love. That is mercy. And that is grace. He was beaten for the sin of every, of you name any sin that you can think of, he was beaten. And that sin was laid on his back so that those that committed those sins would be forgiven if we confessed him as the son of God and turned from our ways. The wrath of God was poured on Jesus. So in that day when he returns, so the wrath of God won't be poured out on us. But we have to believe that he is the son of God and we have to turn from our sin. Repent from our sin. That's what he taught. The church has missed it. Overall. He wasn't beaten. For what he did. He was beaten because he had a weakness. And that weakness was love. All he knew was love. He loved every pedophile. Every murderer. Every person with an alternative lifestyle, every fornicator, every adulterer, every drunkard, every person that abused drugs. He died to redeem them out of that lifestyle. Make no mistake, you cannot be a believer in Christ saying you're a Christian and remain in that lifestyle. That is completely against scripture. Completely against scripture. If you sincerely give your life to Jesus, there will be a change inside of you. Because you go from unrighteousness to righteousness. From death unto life. From darkness unto light. You become a son of God. Instantly. That, my friends, is mercy and grace. We sinned. He didn't sin. Yet he paid the price for the sinner. Does that sound like a savior that rejoices in us being judged at the end of the time? On the contrary, my friend. The Bible said it pleased, it pleased God to bruise him. He said, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. We are the many that are justified because we believe in the blood. We believe in the rebirth. We believe that a man must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. There are no shortcuts into Christianity. You must be born again. You must confess Jesus as the Savior. And if that confession was legit, and if you meant it, the validation will be his life comes and makes it abode in you, and death is abolished in you. You become a new creation, and you're a new species. Born of him. Are you with me? I'm just setting up an example. I'm just laying the foundation of but Maya's candle. That is Christianity. Black, white, purple, pink. That blood was for you, man. He ransomed us with love. 
When we were sinners, he redeemed us and made us whole. We received newness of life. First John called it eternal life. Not just in the life to come, but eternal life. The moment you got born again, you received eternal life inside of you. Romans 2 calls it the spirit of holiness. Romans 6 says newness of life. Romans 8 says the law of the spirit of life. Different verbiage. Same meaning. James calls it the law of liberty. Paul called it in Colossians chapter 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Different verbiage. Same meaning. Amen. Try to lay a foundation of what repentance is which you know that but we're going fishing on the outside he's going after somebody tonight are you with me so Maya which is my son's girlfriend works in Naples at the coastland was that what it's called the coastland mall she's a manager at a champs and I have an insecurity I have a dog his name is Lambo. He's a, what, what kind of dog is he? Great Pyrenees. He's huge. I think he's half Great Pyrenees. What is he? Great Pyrenees. I think he's half horse. He's big. He's, he's just, he's, he's huge. He's one of them dogs that you hate a lot, but you love him. You can't live with him. Can't live without him. And I'm very insecure about him because he's, he's a sissy. He likes being in the house in the air condition. He's just, he's a big sissy. And he's, Got a lot of hair on him, so he gets hot outside. So he's arr, arr, basically saying, I want to go inside. And he won't shut up till you let him inside. Arr, arr. He gets on my nerves. But I hate him, but I can't live without him. So I'm insecure about him. And uh, I, knew, I knew Maya worked at the Coastland Mall. And she, she's a manager there, a co-manager. She's, she's been up there in champs. She's a great person. We, we really love her. She's funny she knows that I can't see and what do you think she does she scares me goes to where I'm at boo I said oh my hey when you do that she said okay and then she'll come back five minutes later boo I said oh my god so you're lucky I can't see girl she does it all the time throws ketchup packs at me hits me across the face with him but we have a good time me and my sons and the girlfriend, Jayla, we just, we have a blast, man. I, we have a blast in our house. So I, I called, I texted Maya. I said, Maya, you're there at the mall. Why don't you buy us? I'm sure there's a place in the mall where you can get us a couple of candles. Good candles. And she texted me back. She said, what kind do you want? I said, I don't know. She said, never mind, I'm going to surprise you. So I called my wife and text Maya and tell her what kind of candles you want. And I guess Maya said, no, no, I'm going to surprise her. She came home. She visited us that day. She visited Nathaniel that day. And she brought two candles with her. Now, my wife, God bless her soul, I said, honey, go to the store and buy some scented candles. She goes to Family Dollar. How many of you know that you get what you pay for? <laughs> she goes and buys a big candle, scented candle, for $5. All that you smell when you light the candle is a match. <laughs> you never smell the candle. Never. 
It's a $5 candle. It's in about a big old five bucket can. You know, you know it's no good. Big old five, can, five gallons of, of, of wax that doesn't smell. It's supposed to smell, but it doesn't. All you smell is, I'm, I'm exaggerating about the five gallons. I'm exaggerating. It's big. You turn it on, it doesn't smell. But Maya's candle, little candles. I told Maya, thank you, Maya. I said, what, what, what scent are these? It's a surprise. So we lit a candle. And within seconds, it filled the aroma, the room with the aroma of the candle. I said, now that's a candle. Versus the $5 candle that my wife bought. Family dollar versus Bath Body Works. I think she said the name of the store was. Bath and Body Works. I said, my, where'd you buy the candle? Bath and Body Works. How much did they cost? 40 bucks. For two candles? Yes, they're expensive. I said, okay, let me give you the money. What's your credit app? No, 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 you don't got to pay me. It, 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 it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. I said, okay, I like gifts. <laughs> so she bought two candles, and they smelled great. You could tell that we had a scented candle. Why the aroma was in the air. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? The aroma was in the air within seconds. Rosie's candle from the family dollar, 55 bar a 55-gallon barrel of wax. <laughs> you lit it. All you could smell was a match. She said, oh, I got a great deal. This 100-gallon can of wax is going to smell good. <laughs> oh, great deal, honey? Yeah. So you got, basically you, got, you paid a dollar for every 25 pounds. That's a great deal. But it didn't smell. It was lit. But it didn't smell. Maya's candle she bought us was this big. But man, it smelled good. You knew we had a scented candle. Are you with me? Two candles. One $5. That much of a candle. $20. Real candle that big. That candle was obvious. The scent of the candle filled my house. It smelled good. My insecurities no longer existed because of the candle. It leads me to this. You have many Christians in the body of Christ. Amen. Now, a lit candle is symbolic of what? The born-again spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 5, No one lights a candle... Puts it under a bushel, on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before them that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As a lit candle, let them see your good works so that when the day comes, they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. The world has to know that we're His. The candle can't be dim. The candle has to be seen. People have to know that we belong to Jesus. That candle was obvious that it was a scented candle. It filled the room with aroma. The room smelled like vanilla. I almost wanted a bite of it. Rosie bought a candle 
But Maya's candle was obvious. Maya's candle that she bought us produced a fragrance, a noticeable fragrance, pleasing to my big nose. What if, what if the Lord could find people that were not just content with being a Christian, but that wanted to be disciples? Christians are a dime a dozen. Disciples are not. Many are called, but what? A few are chosen. We make ourselves chosen to be disciples because we lay our life down. We're all called to servanthood, all of us. But only few allow themselves to be a doulos, to be a servant. Very few do because they esteem their life, their will, more important than kingdom principles. What if our life affected people like Maya's candle affected my living room, affected the fragrance of my home? What if we loved God so much that all we wanted was his will to be done in our life? What if we knew actually what it meant to take up your cross daily and to follow him? Regardless of what we face, what do you think about Jesus, man? Think about Jesus, his whole life. He knew he was going to be a ransom for many. He said, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. You want to talk about a fragrant candle, a lit candle? He was the one. He is our prototype. He is who we are to live after. He is perfection on legs. He is walking mercy. He is walking compassion. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one who we try to become like because he is our prototype. He is the example, First Peter chapter 2, that we are to follow. Who did no sin, nor was God found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins on his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. That we, being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. He is our prototype. He is the example that we are to follow. You with me? The Lord has been dealing with me a lot lately on comments. Being real careful what I say. Trying to always speak God's will in my life. If I denote a weakness in your life, the Holy Ghost in his own personal loving way tells me to be quiet. Because contradictions and opinions and ideologies and logic mean nothing in the kingdom of God. Mean nothing mean nothing but to live out of who he is inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
And he's really been, I've really starting to develop a super filter on what I say. Seeing the image of Isaiah 53, what he did for me and why he did it has helped me to see the image of who Jesus was and is and what it is that lives inside of me, his spirit. And I've been going through it so many times, praying in the Holy Ghost and just going through it. This morning around 2 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up, just began to speak to me. I couldn't sleep. I was going back and forth, just correcting me, purging me, rebuking me in his own way about developing more and more a super filter, even regarding my health. The Bible says he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Griefs in the Hebrew is calamity, disease, and sickness. He bore it. He bore it. Enough said. Right? So seeing the image of Isaiah 53 and understanding Isaiah 52 that his visage, who he was, he was marred more than any man. Ladies and gentlemen, he was disfigured upon recognition. You couldn't tell who he was. Bruce means he was beaten to pieces. And the word says, as a lamb brought to the slaughter, the Hebrew says, butchered. He was led as a lamb to be butchered. He was led as a lamb to a butchery. Look it up in the Hebrew. It means what it sounds like. So understanding that and seeing the word of God for what it is, with all that's in me, I really got to watch what I say. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. Jesus says this, or Peter records this. You know, all the apostles did was take dictation from the Holy Ghost. They just wrote the mind of Christ. They, 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 they just took dictation from the Holy Ghost and wrote these epistles. Wrote these epistles. And he said this, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. But Maya's candle, Rosie's candle produced a dim light. It didn't do its job. Maya's candle produced a light and an aroma that changed the atmosphere, the smell, the fragrance of a room. The simplicity of the gospel of the kingdom. What would, with this simple text or this simple precept or this simple kingdom saying what would Christianity be? What would the world be? Well, How would the church be if we follow this simple, simple set of instruction? What would this world be like? He said, he that would love life, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10 and 12, he that would love life and see good days let him keep his what? Help me. Oh, for, 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 for Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. He that will love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from what? Evil. And his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. That means shun it, man. That means deviate from it. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord 
are on the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayer. But, contrast, but the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. There's blessing there and there's a warning there. Do you know who he's talking to when he said that? To the unbeliever or to the believer? He's talking to the believer. The simplicity of the gospel. What if all of us collectively or the world follow this simple set of instruction? He that would desire life and see good days, let him keep his mouth or his lips from speaking evil and his lips if they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. Let him shun it. Don't do it. Deviate from it. Let him do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. This is simplicity. Why? Why? Why, Peter? Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are upon you. And his ears are open unto your prayer. Go ahead and rip somebody. Go ahead and make somebody. His eyes are upon you. His ears are open to your non-prayer. And his face is against those that do evil. He's talking to the church, man. He's talking to the church. You want life? You want good days? He said, not only but you better live good, you better talk good about people. Titus 3, speak evil of no man. We can disagree with him. I disagree a lot with the curtain platform. I disagree a lot with it. Marriage between a male and a female. That's not an opinion. The gospel said that God from the beginning of time called them to be male and female. What God has joined together, let what? No man put asunder. See, from the beginning of time, God called them to be male and female. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Not the Supreme Court, not the state government, not the... No one can disannul God's word. That's his word. That's not an opinion. It's there black and white. But what if we lived in the simplicity of the gospel. And what if we executed this verse here, this portion of scripture? What if we applied every day in our life? First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. He that will love life. and How many of you love life? How many of you want to see good days? Instruction. Let him keep his lips from evil. What is it? What? No. Is what now? I can't hear you. His tongue for me when they live, that they speak no guile. Listen, why? He said, let him eschew evil, let him shun it, and do good. He's talking to the church. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord, this is why we are to do this. Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against even the saints that do evil. Can we afford to rip people? We have every right to hate evil. We're told to hate evil. My friend Barry Johnson said the other day on a phone call with him. And he was so right. He's one of the most respected men that I, I love, Barry Johnson. I love that man. He said this. We talk quite a bit. He said this. The Bible says to hate sin, but hate not the sinner. He said this. Do we really love the sinner? 
We hate the sin. We say we do. But do we really, really love the sinner? What do we say about certain politicians openly? The same measure that you meet, have it measured to you again. Remember that. Once that's time we sat down and prayed for President Biden, prayed for his health, prayed that the dementia, whatever he has, will go away in Jesus' name. When have we prayed for him like we would our own children? Father, I just pray that you somehow, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would heal him of this infirmity, Lord. It's obvious that something's wrong. He can't, he can't even carry a sentence. And if we rejoice in that, we don't have a clue of who Jesus is. We don't have a clue. He that will love life and see good days. Let him keep his lips from evil. Let him keep his, what was it again, Kirsten? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. What if we executed that portion of scripture every day? How much peace do you think there'd be in this world? See, the problem isn't the world. The problem is the church. We're the problem. We've deviated from this. We've gone to programs instead of anointing. We've gone to let's develop a plan to add more attendance than let's preach truth and the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost and let them come to us because they feel the presence of God. The simplicity of the gospel. Luke 15 and 1. This caught my attention. I believe in evangelizing. I believe in going to the mall, sitting there. If someone's there, I'm going to start a conversation about Jesus. Now, when they, I can tell by their first response, they're interested or not. If they're not, well, you know what I do? I shut up. You can't force Jesus on anybody. I'm not God's cop to correct everybody. That's the Holy Ghost's place. Now, if I'm dealing with a believer, and you give me the authority, I'll speak into your life. But a sinner doesn't know they're sinning because they're sinners. When I was in the world and I was fornicating, it wasn't fornication to me, it was just a good time because I was a sinner. But now I'm a son of God. And the blood has cleansed me. And I have a pure conscience before God. And I know it's wrong. To Luke 15 and 1, listen to this. This caught my attention. See, we want to beat everybody up with the gospel. Listen carefully to this. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, for to what? For to hear him. He didn't go to them. They came 
to him. Adulterers? Maybe. Fornicators? Maybe. Those that were abundant drinkers came to him. Those that had lifestyles not with the same sex or with the same sex. And we love everybody, man. My kids, hear me out. My kids, if they do wrong and I correct them with the Bible, does that mean that I hate them? It means that I love them. So when the Bible corrects us of our lifestyle, it's not that God hates us. He wants us to stop doing what we're doing so that we will be with him forever. That's not hate. That's love. Then drew near unto him, unto Christ, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The word sinners in the Greek means people that are sinning. They looked for him and sat with him to hear him. He didn't sit with them to tell nasty jokes. He sat with them to tell them about the kingdom of God. He sat with them to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is upon you. They sat with him. They came unto him to hear him. Did someone say, but Maya's candle? Are you with me? But Maya's candle made a difference in my house. Jesus then had to beat everybody up with the word of God. They felt who he was by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But the publicans and sinners, they came to him. If a person that's sinning comes to you, most people, they run for me because my candle is not burning like it should, but it's going to. But here's sinners came to him for to hear him. What kind of abundant love did this man walk in, man? I've shared my testimony many a times. Many a times. You know what? I shared it one time too many. Because Jesus didn't have a testimony like mine. Jesus was never addicted to crack. He was never addicted to cocaine. He was never a womanizer, but he was anointed. And the anointing changed people. Not my past. The anointing changed people. The aroma of Miles' candle in my room changed the atmosphere. It smelled good. When we give our life to Christ and when we live a lifestyle of self-denial, our candle is going to be seen. Sinners and publicans came to him for to hear him. I'm not saying don't preach the gospel. No. If I go to the mall with my wife, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. If they shut me up, I'll just stop. I'm going to take a shot at it. But our candle, Christ in us, should burn, man. 
said, no one lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And they give a light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. My friends, sinners, publicans, do near unto him for to hear him. But Maya's candle changed the fragrance in our room. Jesus walked. Zacchaeus, Luke 19, went up on a sycamore tree just to see him. He was short. He went to see him. Zacchaeus, paraphrase. Come in the house today, boy. Zacchaeus said, he rejoiced. Whatever well, I've taken from man, Lord, I'll repay fourfold. Jesus said, today, salvation is coming to your house. He repented. Then drew near unto him, all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. Are you with me? Am I getting the point across to you? Why I love that man so much, Bill Bethay. He's still here, right? Okay. Why I love him so much. Now I'm going to close it down. My dad used to own a gas station. Homer's truck stop. I worked there. I was going to work sometimes. All kind of drugs in my system. Up the whole night, just cocaine, crack, drunk. I'll go to work all hungover, but I'll go to work. <laughs> I would sit there. This man, Bill Bethay, used to work at a farm. Drive up to the station, fill up his truck with gas. I would see him, and I knew there was something about this man. something about him. I always seen him with a smile. I knew he was a Christian man, but there was something about him that drew me. But Maya's candle. That's why I respect him and love him a lot. Because how he acted how he let his light shine was part of the reason that I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what he didn't say, of how he conducted himself, I knew he was different. But Maya Scandal. Maya tells me a lot. And she, when she says my name, she don't say it, Homer. She says it like with the exclamation point. Homer! I said, what, Maya? Why are you always crying? Are you crying again? My wife came to my defense. But it is true because my eyes, they, they, they do drain a lot of liquid. They do drain a lot. So she helped me. So I played it off. Look, oh, yeah, my eyes just drain liquid. Homer! What, Maya? 
gives a big old burp after the sixth taco. Why you, why you cry so much? I looked at her. At least I think I was looking at her. I might have been looking at somebody else. But I looked at where I thought she was. I said, Maya. I said, baby, you will understand. And the conversation was over. Well, today I'm going to tell her why I cry so much. I think of Marty, what Marty went through, how many times he should have been dead. This is not a testimony to lead you to Christ. This is a testimony of why I cry a lot. Three times, man, I faced immediate death. A gun to my head. A bullet went off. Shaved the back of my head. I should have been dead. I can still hear the gun at times. A 357 Colt Python at my temple. And the gun went off, shaved all my hair, shattered the window. My wife comes and says, what is wrong here? What was I supposed to tell your daughter that those were your brains on the floor? What was I supposed to tell her? Another time, uptown drinking. We did something we weren't supposed to do. Somebody put their high beams on us. We turned around. We knew he wanted to fight. And I charged him with my truck. So intoxicated. He threw an axe on the driver's side. And the axe stuck in the windshield right in front of my face. Right in front of it. My head should have been split in two. If I would have died, that axe splitting my head, if I would have died at the expense of that bullet, I would be forever condemned. The third time, I was so drunk and hung over. Cocaine all in my system. I went to work driving a truck. I was cussing God the whole day. You blankety, blank, blank, this, you this and that. You worthless. I cuss. I let God have it. I said, if you are real, if you are real, you blankety, blank, blank, you show me that you're real. Show me that you exist. I got off the truck, started walking. I'll take a step and a huge rattlesnake was there. Just me and the snake and woods. Before I put my right foot down, that big snake didn't even hiss. It didn't rattle. It just left. There's plenty more time. I'm going to go into that. But that is why Maya, Homer, cries. Because if it had not been for his blood... And he died a ransom for me. I would be forever in the lake of fire. That is why I cry. That is why I cry. Should have been dead, man. Condemned forever. I was like a cat with nine lives, man. And now he uses me to preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, it might not mean nothing to you what I've gone through. It might not be real to you, but it sure the heck was real to me, man. 
His mercy was abundant towards me. And I love him. And my day is filled with his word. I get up in the morning. My body goes into default mode just immediately. I even forget to brush my teeth sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross, right? Turn my CD player on, start praying in the Holy Ghost. Stop and worship the Lord. I go till I get sleepy. When I get sleepy, I take a nap. Cause I know my sweetheart doesn't get home till five o'clock. That gives me eight or nine hours of just by myself in the room. I get bored sometimes. I get lonely. Take a 30 minute nap. My spirit goes to the default mode again. CD player on, I go to work again. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Confessing God's word, telling Jesus I love him. How long do you pray, Homer? I don't fellowship with a clock. I don't fellowship with time. I fellowship with him because I love him. I read this not to be a good preacher. I read this to be conformed to his image. If I never taught another day, I'd be fine with that. My identity is found every day in my partaking of daily bread. Not physical bread, but spiritual bread. I partake of daily bread because I want him. I want him. My righteousness is that he made me righteous through his life in me. His blood redeemed me. It's a little thing now for me to lay down my life. Whatever I go through in this life, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it is a light affliction in comparison to Isaiah 53. Whatever I may face tomorrow is a light affliction compared to what my Savior went through in Isaiah 53. A light affliction. He said, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him or her deny themselves. The Greek says, disown yourself. Take up your cross and follow me daily. Misconception. You got to take up your cross and then follow him. No, my friends, that's not, that's not true doctrine. That's false doctrine. If you're denying yourself, you're following somebody else already. People say, well, you got to deny someone and then follow him. No, that's not true. What qualifies me to follow him is that I'm dying daily. If I'm dying daily, I'm dying daily to myself because I want to follow him. In conjunction, we die daily. Less of us, a lot more of him. But Maya's candle. Judgment, condemnation, I'm closing down, and not forgiving will not affect your candle. Be careful, lest the candle go out. The prayer closet. The times of partaking of daily bread, denying yourself, 
causes that candle to be noticed, to be seen. I believe what fasting does for you. I believe it. I believe what praying in the Holy Ghost does for you. I believe that what reading the Word of God does for you. But you know what else builds faith? Obedience. Read the book of James. Read the book of James. Obedience. Saying yes to royal law. Loving your neighbor as yourself also builds your faith. Love or faith worketh by love. If you're not loving, don't worry about having faith. Pray all you want to. If you're not obeying and abiding in royal law, don't worry about having more faith for an outpouring. Don't worry about it. Faith worketh by love. The more I obey Christ in me, the more I obey his word, the more and more my faith increases. If I disannul that faith, if I disannul the engrafted word, I'm lacking mercy. How do you know? James chapter 2. I'm closing up. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment who has shown no mercy and judgment rejoices against the mercy. What caused me in that text not to have mercy on someone? The law of liberty, if you study it, it's just Christ in you. So speak ye and so do as Christ in you. As the, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment who has shown no mercy. So when I speak and don't do according to Christ in me, what did I not have towards you? According to that text. Mercy. But I sure did have judgment. His word is, is mercy and grace. If I disannul the law of liberty, if I disannul Christ in me, I have acted like a self-righteous Pharisee under Mosaic law. Be careful what we say. Be careful. He said, you shall have judgment who has shown no mercy. Lord, when didn't I show mercy, Lord, when you spoke contrary to Christ in you, when you did contrary to Christ in you in a habitual manner, when you did it and didn't repent, that's when you lacked mercy, man. And if you lack mercy, you will be judged. Amen. But my highest candle. Luke 15 and 1. Public and the sinners came unto him for to hear him. But Maya's candle. But Kirsten's candle. But Homer's candle. But Miss Gay's candle. Mr. Bill's candle. With a fragrance, will the light from our candle be noticeable in society? Will sinners come to us 
but to hear the message of the cross. Will we partake of daily bread? Listen, I have no excuse, man. I don't work. I have no excuse not to spend my day with Christ in the prayer closet. Some of you work, man. Some of you work, and your desire is to pray. I know it is. I know some of you. But let's face it, you got bills to pay. And your body gets tired. See, I have no excuse not to pray and fast. I have no excuse. In fact, the only thing I hate about my life, and I'm done, is that my wife has to work like a dog every day while I stay at home. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. That my wife has to work, gets up every morning, makes me breakfast, checks on me two or three times a day, works like a dog, comes home, cooks dinner, usually goes on six or seven hours sleep, cleans the house, and I'm at home. That breaks my heart. I'm going to say this. But God just recently, and I, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to even say remotely what it is, but God worked something amazing in our life. Amazing. Amazing. He worked in our life. Flat out amazing. I will stop at that. Leave you with these last words. The simplicity of the gospel. He that will love life and see good days and keep his mouth from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him, his true evil, shun it. Deviate from it. Don't do it. It's true evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Why, Peter? Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayer. You want to petition God for something? You want to believe God for something? You better watch what you're saying about people. In context, those that hate you because of your faith, you better watch how you handle them. Because his eyes are upon you and his ears are open unto your prayer. If you pray wanting blessings from God, his face is against those that do evil. Don't utter a prayer if you are living an evil life as a Christian. We don't have the right. He is our example. We should follow his example. He committed himself to him who judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins on his body. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. The word should is there because he's saying, make it happen. But Maya's candle. But our candle is going to affect this world like Jesus did. So I got the, when I said lifestyle evangelism, I got, that, I got that line from Mr. Bill. That's lifestyle evangelism, my friends. When sinners and publicans come to you for to hear you.
because they know you're not judging. They know you're not condemning. They know you want to forgive. They know you want to help them take the moat out of their eye. But Maya's candle. Amen. Glory. Did you learn something tonight? Hallelujah. What time is it? Oh, boy. Nine o'clock, right on the money. Stand with me, please. Can you pass the offering plate to somebody? Please, pretty please. If you have something to give, just after the service, just, you know what to do. This is good ground to sow. Um, every penny spent wisely in this church, every penny. That I guarantee it. So, Father, we bless you and we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love. We thank you, Father, for your word, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Jesus, till we meet again Sunday, I pray blessings over your people, Father. Head to protection over all of them, Father, going and coming. May they partake of daily bread, even tonight and tomorrow for the rest of their life. We praise you and we worship you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. See you Sunday.